We're in Yeshua Perik Dalad. The last Pasuk we did was Pasuk Yud Aleph. We are up to Pasuk Yud Beis. We're reading about the conclusion of the crossing of the Yardin, the, the people, the Kahanim, the Aron crossing the Yardin from the East Bank to the West Bank. Last week we discussed the Pasuk Yud Aleph. It says, after the people, when the people completed crossing the Yardin, and then the Aron passed. We discussed at length the machlokas between uh, the, those who explain al shul mikra that the Aron crossed in the same direction the Jews did. It emerged, it had entered on the east side, it emerged on the west side, and it was back reunited with the Jewish people. While Chazal, a midrash, explains that the, the Rishonim bring the midrash that says that it was actually, the Aron actually had only gone to the eastern edge of the, the Arden and it, 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 it emerged back on the eastern bank, and when the water came down, the Aron was on the opposite side of the people, and then the Aron, no says no sub, the Aron flew the people over, carried them. That, that the Aron flew the people back, flew the Kalanim back over the other side of the Arden, back to rejoin, the, it, was a, it was another nace, back to, uh, to rejoin the people back on the west bank of the Arden. We discussed the Radak had a lengthy, uh, lengthy uh, analysis of why Chazal said this. It seems to be it doesn't seem to be clearly indicated by the Pesukim. We discussed the whole idea that many Rishonim follow the school of thought. We try to minimize Nisim, not to introduce them without solid evidence from the Pesukim. But anyway, this, this was a difference of opinion between Chazal, who explained that the Aron left on the east side and then flew over, as opposed to the traditional Mikra that the Aron. Aaron emerged on the west side along with the rest of the people. The Pasuk Yud Beis, it says, So the people of Shevet Ruvain, Shevet God, and half of Shevet Menashe, these of course were the tribes that had the discussion with Moshe Rabbeinu back in the Chumash. They said they wanted to keep, they wanted their inheritance of Eretz Israel to be on the east side of the Yardin, Avery Yardin, the lands they had conquered from Sichon and Og. Moshe was very concerned, if you're going to shirk your duty to enter Eretz Yisrael, you're going to demoralize the people, and it's not fair, why should they all fight and you should stay behind? They said, of course, no, we're, we're gonna, we, we, we promise we will, we will march in the vanguard of the Jewish people, and we will fight, and we'll, and we'll leave our families back in, in Evrayardin, where we'll cross and we'll fight, and we'll, 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 we'll prosecute the war with the rest of the people, and we'll, we'll only return when everything is done. So this is where they're beginning to keep their promise. They cross the Yardin with the Jewish people, these two and a half tribes. Pasuk says, Chamushim, they, they traveled Chamushim, we'll discuss what that means in a moment. Moshe, as Moshe had instructed them. And the next Pasuk, Pasuk Yud Gimel, there were approximately 40,000, and here it calls them Chalutzim, Chalutzim. Modern Hebrew, we typically translate Chalutzim uh, as pioneers or something like that, but we'll discuss again what this word means in Biblical Hebrew in a moment. Karboim Elef about 40,000 40, of these military people. Avru Hashem, Arvos Yericho, they passed before Hashem to, the, to, to war, to prepare for war, to, the, to Arvos Yericho. So this, as we said, this of course was the, was the fulfillment, there was, was the beginning of the fulfillment of their, of their promise to, to pass before the... To, to, to pass before the Jewish people. What do these words mean? It calls them, it, it uses the word chamushim, and it uses the word, uses the word, uh, uses the word chalutzeh So, 
The word Chamushim we have in Parshat B'Shalach. It says when the Jewish people left Egypt, it says Chamushim, Chamushim, Yatsuvenei Yisrael Me'aret Mitzrayim. They emerged, they, they, uh, they emerged Chamushim. So one shot is they, they, let, they exited Chamushim. So one shot is that Chamushim means they were, they were supplied, they were, they were armed, Mizuyanim. And that would seem to be what it means as well over here. That it means that they were, they were, they, they had their equipment, they had what they needed to, 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 to camp, to, to act as a military force, arms and so on, material. That would seem to be what the word Chamushim means. Rashi brings a pshat back in Parsh B'Shalach. I think it's Rashi. But there's a midrash in Parsh B'Shalach that says Chamushim is from the, the root of Chamesh, from five. It means that they had been uh, much of the Jewish people had perished in Makas Choshech, and only one fifth of the people finally left because uh, those who were unworthy, who didn't want to leave Egypt, Hashem caused them to die in the plague and then die in, in Makas Choshech, and there were only one fifth of the total, the former total, the Jewish people, only one fifth made it out. The Malbim here also uh, suggests, not, not such a negative shot, but it also suggests that the word Chamushim is related to the word Chamesh. He said, Chamishim, he says that the, the troops, for purposes of military organization, the troops were organized into, into groups of 50, into bands of 50, with, a, with one of the Sare Chamishim, an officer of 50 over them. So Chamushim means that they were organized into this, into this hierarchical structure in, in terms of bands of 50. What is uh, what? What is the word? What is the word? Uh, what 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 is the word? Chalutzei Hatzavah mean? So again, we, in modern Hebrew, I think Chalutzim means pioneers, those who travel in the vanguard, those who uh, the first first ones in to a new area. But the the Matuda Sion says, what is what does what does Chalutzei mean? He says it means mizuyan. Again, another word meaning armed. It means that they it means they were armed, and he were, and they were, the Mepharshim refer back to the pasuk in. Uh, Pasuk in 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 Varim, where, where where Moshe describes the, the the arrangement he made with with the people, and he says that they would he says that they would travel they, that they would travel chalutzim, uh, and here again it says that they traveled chalutzei The Malbim again explains a little bit differently. The Malbim says that chalut that uh, he, he 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 understands chalutz means as as in the context of chalitza, the chalitza ceremony. Chalitza ceremony. It says v'chalza nala me'al ragla that uh, if, if a man if the, if, a, if if a man dies, so his, his brother is in certain in certain cases supposed to do the mitzvah of yibum and marry his sister-in-law, marry his brother's widow. If he doesn't do that, he performs the chalitza ceremony, which involves she removes the shoe from his foot v'chalza nala me'al ragla. That's why we call it chalitza because that's the central aspect of the ritual. So chalitza there means to remove, to be uh, to, to, to remove something, to remove the shoe from the person. The Malbim says the Malbim says that Chalutzei Tzatzava means these were people who had left their who had left the rest of their tribe. If you if you look at the the census figures for how many how many people in these tribes were, there were I think more than eighty thousand. He says these were only forty thousand. These were uh, a detachment, so to speak. Chalutzei Tzatzava means a detached force, a force who had left the rest of the body of their shevet and had passed before Hashem for for war in uh, on, and they were in Arvas Yericho. Pasuk then says in Yudalid, Bayomahu, Gidal Hashem as Yoshua Baynekal Yisrael. On this day when Hashem split the split the Yardin and made this great mace. So Hashem, as he had promised earlier, Hashem elevated the, the reputation, the esteem of Yoshua, Baynekal Yisrael, in the eyes of the entire people of Israel, by Yeruoso, and they feared him. It's the same expression we find about Moshe Rabbeinu by Kriyas Yamsu, Fayruhamas Hashem, by Aminu Hashem of Moshe Avdo. That when Hashem makes nisim, so it, it evokes, I guess, various different emotions. It invokes a, a sense of thank, of thanks, of a karzatov to Hashem for doing nisim. It also invokes zero when we see the great might of Akash Baruch Hu and his neviim. 
There's also a Yerushalayim. We see how powerful Hashem is, how great Hashem is. It evokes a feeling of awe. And again, the, 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 the language of Yeru Oso, they, they had fear of Yeshua. The Pasuk explicitly connects this to Moshe Rabbeinu. Kasher Yoro with Moshe Koli Mechayev. As they feared Moshe his entire life. This is, we mentioned several times before, this is a theme of some of the opening chapters of Yeshua. That Yeshua was the replacement, and there was there was concern: Would he have the same respect Moshe did? Would Hashem be with him the way Moshe did? The first parak dealt with this, and then here also it says that, that, that when Hashem split the when Hashem split the Yardin for Yeshua, that caused the people to have a similar awe and reverence for Yeshua, similar to the one they had for Moshe. And the Radak explicitly connects this to Kriyas Yamsuf. He says that Hashem split the Yardin for him, like he split the sea for Moshe. So it was, it was the, same, the same idea, the same kind of nace. So the people saw that God was, uh, was, was demonstrating the same support for Yeshua and the same miraculous support that he showed for Moshe. And therefore the people, correspondingly, had the same, the same uh, reverence and awe for Moshe that they had, that they had, had for, that, that, for Yeshua that they had had for Moshe. <laughs> Um, it, the, the language of the Pasuk is it was on Hashem. It says, Bayruha, Bayruha, Hashem. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't say directly that it was on Moshe. So, that's an interesting question. Here, here, here it says that they, they were Yoru with Moshe. I don't actually recall. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not um, expert on Chumash, but I, I don't actually remember if we ever have the language Yira used about Moshe himself as opposed to they believed in Moshe, they... Uh, they, uh, a lot of discussion about believing in Moshe and um, they mourned Moshe. Does it ever say that they had awe of Moshe? Here it says, here it says explicitly, Kasher Yoro with Moshe. They had fear of Moshe. Do we ever find explicitly that? Right. So the, the question is when, when it, at the end of Parashki Sisa, when he put the mask, it says, it says, it says, they, they couldn't look upon Moshe, Kikar and Arpanov. And then they, 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 he had to cover his face with a. Was that awe? Was that just the inability to face the radiance? I, I don't recall it says Yira. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Interesting question. It's, uh, it's also, of course, not, I guess, not strictly true that they had Yira their entire, the, 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 the entire life. There were cases where they were practically on the verge of killing him and overthrowing him and uh, rebelling against him. I guess it means they generally had Yira, or they, unless they were so desperate that they overcame their Yira. But yeah. But right, I, I guess right. This, this is a good point. The pasuk here is is talking about another dimension of the relationship of the people with Moshe that it describes it as Yira, and they had the same Yira for Yoshua. Right? Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. So the pasuk continues. It says, Hashem commanded Yoshua." Now the, the psukim now are a little bit out of order. I think the, the, the Mefarshim explained the psukim now refer to events that the Navi actually described. It's going back and giving more detail and more context for them. Again, the psukim we just read from 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 uh, from, from Yud Yud Aleph. It, 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 in Pasuk Yud, it says the Kohanim waited till the people had crossed. In Yud Aleph, it says when the people finished, then the Kohanim uh, passed over. And then it says that, uh, that Hashem elevated the Yoshua. Now it says, Hashem told Yeshua as follows: Now tell the Kohanim to emerge from the Yarden. Yeshua did what Hashem ordered him, and he ordered the Kohanim, he, he, he passed along the order to the Kohanim to emerge from the Yarden. So this really happened already. This happened, again, as we said, this happened back in, uh, in Pasuk Yedalop. It says when the people passed, and the Aaron passed as well, and they, 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 left the, they, 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 they already left the Yarden over there. But here, so the Radak says that the, the, these took him are 
these took him are a little bit out of order. The Radak says, when it says, Bayam Rashul Yeshua, it's Savi Sakanim, when Hashem told Yeshua here, command the Kohanim to leave the Yardin, it means Ukvaramar. He already he already previously said that, you know, going back to the previous part of the story, Hashem had commanded, we're reiterating that here because we're gonna get into a little more detail here. But what happened to the water of the Yardin after the Kohanim left, so we're gonna give more detail about the conclusion of the story. So we just reiterate, and uh, previously Hashem had said uh, to Yeshua, tell him to leave the Yardin. Hashem, the, and that's, that's when it says Vayavar Aron Hashem, and now it tells you how it happened that Hashem told Yeshua, and Yeshua told the Kohanim, and they did, and so on, and that's the, he, Rashi himself says the same thing, Rashi also says Kan Pirish HaKosavet Amr Lamala this is, these took him here are a slightly out of chronological order they're, 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 we're going back to the previous narrative, we're fleshing it out we're giving more detail, that, that, that's what not all the psukim here are strictly in chronology. We, we give you the kind of the overview, the basic structure of what happened, and now we go back and tell you some more of the of the details. So Hashem told Yeshua to command the Kohanim to leave the Yardin, to emerge from the Yardin. Yeshua did so. Yeshua commanded the Kohanim to leave the Yardin. And then in Pasuk Yuches, we were told what happened, the, the, the conclusion of the Yardin story. When the Kohanim, those who carry the Aron of the, the Ark of the Covenant of Hashem, and we, we remarked, I think, earlier that the, the Navi here, I think in Shmuel, the Navi frequently likes to uh, give the whole string of uh, titles to Aron, which was the bris of, the bris of Hashem. The Kohanim carry the Aron. The, the Navi likes to, the, the Navi has a, uh, a manner of reiterating this point. We probably know by now that the Aron was the Aron of the bris Hashem, but then the Navi often gives the full, its full description, its full majesty. So it says, when the Kohanim who were carrying the Aron left the Yardin, Nitaku Kapos Kohanim and the feet of the Kohanim now left the, <coughs> the, the riverbed and they, and they stood on dry land. At that point, the water of the Yardin, the, the upstream part of the Yardin, which had been piling up, the, 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 as we explained, the river didn't stop flowing. The river had, had flowed all the time, but it just, it, it was just a barrier. It just reached a certain point and stopped. And it just piled up over there. There was tons and tons of water that, that had been piling up and not flowing downstream. So all that water now, uh, now, now gravity uh, took, took, took control again. The water began flowing downstream. And the Farshim explained that it says that the way it happened was by Yeshuvu Mehayardelamakomam, the water, the water returned to its normal path, its ordinary path through the river, through the river, through the riverbed, and it went the way it went Kismol Shilsham, like the previous day and like three days ago. It did not flood. You, you might have thought if you suddenly, if like a dam broke, if there was, a, we mentioned the Ralbag said there was actually a kind of dam, there was a crystalline, possibly a crystalline substance God created that held the water all up. Whatever it was, it had the effect of a dam breaking. There would have been a, a mountain of water that would have come crashing down. The Derech would have just flooded all over the place. It wouldn't have gone, it wouldn't have stayed within the banks. It would have flooded the whole area. This was a Nase Betok Nase. Rashi says... Rashi says, some of the Mepharshim say that, that this, this itself was an additional nace, that the water flowed the, that, that the water flowed the normal way. It did not come, uh, it, it did not come flying down all over the place. The water just went back into its natural track and did not, uh, did not, did, did, did not flood the whole area. The Radak says, the Radak says, Balahodia, and Pasukiches, Balahodia, the Pasuk is telling you, when the when the water returned to its normal to its normal path, it didn't the water didn't all come crashing down in one moment. That would have flooded uh, flooded the whole area, and it would have and it would have certainly not been contained within the banks of the riverbed of the river. The water came down gradually. That the water began to return to normal, but it 
It didn't happen in one catastrophic, dramatic uh, flume. It just happened, and uh, gradually the water began to flow back the way it did until eventually, and then eventually it returned to its normal path. It did not flood all over the place. That is what the that is what the Mefarshim explained here. So the water began to flow in its normal its normal path again. And then Rashi explains over here, we discussed this again, we discussed this last week in the context of the Radak, Rashi again explains over here, Rashi brings the Chazal, that when the Kohanim left the, when the Kohanim left the river, that it, Rashi says they, they went, the, 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 that they, they left, Rashi follows Chazal, that they left on the east side of the yard, and they only stepped right into the east initially, and, when they, and then when they left, they retreated back to the east side of the yard, the, the, the Jews and the Aaron were on opposite banks of the Yardin. The, the Jews had already crossed. The Aaron was back to where they started. And then, Nasa Aaron has Nasa, the, the Aaron carried its carriers, it flew them over the river, and, and so on. Again, the Radak objects, what was the point of this? Why, why, why do we need such a nace? And the Nisim are done with a practice. Even though this is the thing we find, we discuss this in some detail, but Hashem makes Nisim for two reasons. One is to accomplish some purpose. For example, Kriyas Yamsev. Hashem had to say, Hashem wanted to save the Jews. He wanted to punish the Egyptians. He wanted to destroy the Egyptians so they wouldn't pose a threat to the Jewish people so the Jews could be confident in their, uh, in, in, as free men in their escape. He also, the Pesukim say, make very clear he wanted to make a great demonstration of his power. It says, Laman Tisapru, that you should tell your children, Nisim also do have a, 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 a publicity effect. Hashem does the nace to, to demonstrate his great power. The... So the, the Mepharshim typically assume, though, that Hashem doesn't just make uh, you know, arbitrary uh, nisim for no reason, even if it demonstrates power. Hashem doesn't make you know, dinosaurs fly through the air just to show you that he can do anything. He doesn't make you know, skyscrapers do a minuet up in the sky. I mean, he could, but he, 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 it would show his great power. Hashem doesn't do that. Hashem typically makes nisim when there's some purpose for the nace, and, uh, and it also accomplishes the, 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 the other goal of showing his power. For a nace like this, for the Aaron to Dafa go out on the, on the wrong side and to have to fly over, the Radak is saying, like, why? In addition to the fact that, that it wasn't indicated anywhere in the Psukim, he felt that the Psukim, even though Rashi and Chazal read them, this is the other way, the Radak feels that the, the Pshutra Mikra way is perfectly tenable, so A, it's not indicated in the Psukim, and B, there's no real need for such a nace, but Rashi follows Chazal, Rashi follows the Radak. Also, he said, you know, at, 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 is a differential toward Chazal, he says, I was very struck, I mentioned last time, I was very struck by the Radak language after his, uh, after his, uh, his, his, his detailed and uh, carefully reasoned uh, critique of the, or, or problems with Chazal, he writes at the end, Graciously, he writes that the Haim the Haim Shamru Yadim Amru, they who said this, they knew what they were saying, they knew what they were doing. Kidata Rechavim Midatainer. Even though I don't understand what they were doing, he says here, but you know they're, they're, they they were wiser and greater, and therefore I, I defer to them to some extent. So Rashi follows Chazal unequivocally here that the Aron left on the east bank and then flew the and then flew its carriers across to the west bank. And Rashi mentions another aspect of this midrash. Uzzah Centuries later, Uzzah was punished for, for, for not learning the lesson of this, of this episode, that uh, Nosov Nosa Atmola Kolshkin. The, the story of Uzzah, it's an, it's the, the, Uzzah was a great tragedy when, when they were bringing the Aron back from the, after they had, redeemed, after they had uh, rescued it from the Plishtim, they were bringing the Aron triumphantly back in a, in a great parade, and David was dancing famously, and, uh, and the whole uh, the great celebration that they had, they had retaken the Aron. And it says that at one point the, the, the Aron was being carried by, by cattle, and it says the Aron slipped, and it, somehow it, uh, it looked like it was going to fall. 
So Uzzah attempted to secure the arm. He grabbed it uh, to steady it, uh, to stabilize it. And Hashem was angry with what Uzzah had done, and he struck him down for his disrespect to the arm. Uzzah should have not had the, the boldness to, to touch the arm. Why not? So the, the, the Midrash says, hurry, you see a safer Torah falling, you're certainly supposed to catch it. I mean, you see a safer falling, you're falling, you're certainly supposed to catch them. Why, what was Uzzah doing wrong in touching the Aaron? So the, this, this Midrash understands that what Uzzah did wrong was that he should have known that the Aaron is not a regular safer Torah. The Aaron is not a... Uh, there's a lot of Torah in the, in the... a lot of yeshivish Torah about the, the Aaron and the Luchos in the Aaron is, is kind of the model or the paradigm for our safer Torah in an Aaron Kodesh. In a certain, the Luchos represents a Torah, and, and, and the Aron is the box we keep it in. So yes, in a certain sense, the Aron Kodesh is the paradigm for the way we treat Sifrei Torah, but it's also more than that. The Aron was also a, a very special thing. It wasn't just the, wasn't just a, a regular Sefer Torah, and, and Chazal explained that we saw that the Aron could carry not only itself, but all the people, it could, it could fly over all the Karnam across the Arden. The Aron can take care of itself. You, you, should, you should respect that the Aron is this supernatural entity that, that works with supernatural rules, if you had a if you had a due uh, appreciation and respect to the Aaron, you wouldn't think it's, it, it, you, would, you wouldn't imply that it's helpless that it has to be helped by a human. That was why Hashem punished Uzzah for his uh, for his uh, chutzpah, so to speak, in, in touching the Aaron. Uzzah should have made a kavach. I don't want to go on attention, but that always bothered me. It did slip, right? It did actually move, and the second thing was protecting it. Right, and, and and that's kind of what I was going to get. Also, the other question is the Aaron was slipping. It didn't just remain immobile in the air when the when the cattle moved. It it, it, did, it did start to slip. Right, right. It, it was not moving under its own power, and in general. This takes us back to the theme that I keep returning to uh, more, more abstractly as well, that Hashem does want us to act with Derech HaTeva to the extent possible. Hashem doesn't want us to be so mechalanes and to, uh, and to simply say, you know, Hashem will provide and not to do anything. So it, it, is, it is a very interesting Midrash, and, I, and I, I didn't look into it that deeply. But yes, I, I, agree, I agree with all these points. That the, and also it's a human instinct. It's not even... It's not even uh, you know, it's, it's kind of just an automatic uh, jump. Yeah, so I, I guess I guess Baruch Medaktik and Chassid of Kekodasaira that Hashem uh, punished me even for that. But yes, it, it is a big chiddush that the, you know, the, the, the this, this is a favorite, a favorite topic of mine in general, the extent to which in, in the modern yeshiva world they refer to a chi of ishtadlis, the obligation that a person is supposed to act with However you phrase it, this is, this is a doctrine which the Rishonim and Achronim Emphasize very, very clearly. The, for example, in this week's parsha, on, on parsha, on, on, on last week's parsha, on parsha Vayishlach, where Yaakov spends the first couple dozen circum of the parsha with elaborate preparations for his confrontation with Esav. So the Akedat Yitzchak, Rishon derives this lesson from the story. He says the lesson you see is that a person has to always do whatever he can to uh, secure the, the best outcome for himself. A person shouldn't just take the fatalistic attitude that God is providing. A person should always do whatever he can, every, every spare no effort, make, make every effort that he can to... Uh, that's for himself, not for the Aaron, but he says, and certainly you shouldn't just say Hashem is taking care. He brings a famous Ramban. This is a famous provocative passage in the Ramban. The Ramban says that a, a tzaddik, a, a great uh, a person on a great high spiritual level, when he falls ill, he should not get medical uh, attention. He should go to the Navi. He should try to find out why Hashem is making him ill. And he falls to King Asa, the way he interprets the Pesukim. King Asa was punished for this, for going to, it says, Gam Bachalyev lo darash ba'ashem ki barofim. He wasn't, so other Mepharshim explain, 
he was punished for not going to Hashem, only for doctors. He should have gone to both. But the Ramban says, no, the, the going to doctors itself was wrong. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have sought uh, medical, medical, medical advice. He should have only gone to the spiritual advice. But Kedis uh, says he's wrong. It's absolutely not correct, he says. The, the, the lesson of the Torah is a person should always do whatever he can to, uh, whatever he can do, whatever the situation calls for. He shouldn't just rely on Ashkaka Pratis. He says he should... Uh, so, yeah, so the the Aaron Neil Chazal may be saying it was a special case that because we saw that the because we saw the Aaron had this Hanhaga Lamalam and Ateva that it flew the Kaanam over the Aaron according to Chazal. Maybe the Aaron was understood that it, it doesn't go Baderach Ateva. We discussed this back a couple of Prakim ago in Yeshua. We discussed the whole idea of sending Miraglim, where the Moshe sends Miraglim in Parshashlach, and it ends in a disaster. And yet Yeshua sends Miraglim as well. So the Mefarshim asked this question that, that why why didn't they learn their lesson from the first Miraglim? So the Ramban says, uh, no, he's supposed to send Miraglim. The, the hate of Moshe, the hate in the time of Moshe was not the sending of the Miraglim. That, 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 the Ramban has a famous expression. He says, The Torah does not, never relies on Nisim. When the Torah tells you what to do, it always expects you to do the Ratzon Hashem, the Torah never relies on a nace, and so on, that he's supposed to send spies. I think there are other Mepharshim who say that, no, that in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, the whole, the whole Hanhaga was, was the Lamalam and Ateva, they had the Mun, they had Kriyas Yamsuf, they had daily miracles, the clouds of glory, and so on. At that time, they weren't supposed to send spies. That's at, some, at some point, you reach a level where Hashem is not uh, running your affairs, so maybe Chazal is saying that here about the Aaron, that, that it was so clear that the Aaron, again, the fact remains, that it was carried on cattle. They didn't just, you release it and say go. They didn't just say, you know, self-propelled uh, autonomous vehicle now, that you're just going to fly yourself. Obviously, there was an element of Derech Hateva here. So, yeah, so it, it, it's a real question. It's a, it's a, maybe, maybe if I get a chance, we'll talk about, it more, uh, talk about it more in a future week. But it is a real question. Uh, what, what, why was it so clear to Chazal that you weren't even supposed to lift a hand to catch it? It's uh, n- nor- normally, normally we are supposed to act with Derek Hateva. This is a tangent also, but I just have to mention this. The, I, I mentioned before that I said it's very clear that the Torah expects you to act with Derek Hateva. It's not quite so clear that even though that is the general guidance of Rishonim and so on, you know, in Midrashim and in Chazal, you do find kind of conflicting uh, attitudes toward this. One of my favorite examples of this actually is in this week's parsha. It says, at the end of the parsha, it says, Yosef has been thrown in jail. So he interprets the dreams of the Saramashkim and the Saraofim, and he predicts that the Saramashkim will be reinstated and uh, will once again be in Paro's good graces. He asks the Saramashkim to please, Kim Zechartani please remember me to Paro and put in a good word for me that I'm innocent, and then please uh, help me get out of here. So it says he, 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 he asked him to, uh, to help him. And it says, He did not remember him, he forgot about him. And the next Pasha begins, Pasha begins two years later when Paro had a dream. Finally, the Saramashkin brought this up and Yosef eventually got out of jail two years later. So the Midrash emphasizes, the, the Torah makes a point of, the, the Torah emphasizes that, that, that he forgot, that it was only two years later. He waited another two years before anything happened. He had to wait another two years before he got out of jail. And the Midrash says, the Midrash famously says, it was a punishment for Yosef. It says, Baruch HaGever, we say in the end of Rechassim HaZon, Baruch HaGever, Hashem, blessed is the man who has bitachon, who relies on Hashem. And it also says, the Pesukim also say, we don't say this in benching, the Pesukim also say, Aror HaGever, Hashem, some basar is ro. 
the, the converse. Cursed is he who, uh, who relies on people for his strength and for his might and for that, uh, and the, the circumstance that the one who relies on Hashem is going to be successful and, uh, and accomplish what he wants, and the one who relies on people is going to be uh, disappointed and is going to be, his plans will be foiled. And the Midrash says, this is what happened to Yosef. Yosef was, instead of doing, the Midrash seems to say, Yosef, instead of doing what was expected of him, of Baruch HaGever, who trusts in Hashem, instead, Yosef did not act as he should, and therefore he was punished. The consequence was, he had to spend two more years in jail. The Ralbag, this, this is just very, very funny, the Ralbag takes almost the opposite approach of Chazal. The, the Ralbag, the, the Ralbag has a has a unique style in his pirush on, on, on Mikra and Torah and, and Nevi'im. The Ralbag has a, a running commentary of the the narrative and the words and the pshat of the, of the stories. And then every at the end of every section, two or three times in a parsha, every few every few few prakim and Navi, at the end of every section, every smaller or greater section, he has a list of what he calls toalios lessons or benefits that you learn from the story. So the lessons can be either in, in halacha and in mitzvahs or in amuna, which he calls deus. And, uh, sorry, uh, uh, he, calls, uh, he, he talks about deus and midos. So he, all kinds of different lessons you learn from the story. Some of them are just practical advice, lessons in how to do things and how to navigate life effectively. So one of his toalios in the end of Parashas, end of Parashas Vayeshev, the Ralbag says, a lesson you learn from Yosef is a person should always, always do whatever he can, like Yaakov did, would always, always do whatever he can to uh, get himself out of a tough situation. He should never, never give up, you know, ne- never, 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 uh, never fail to utilize any opportunity that comes his way. You see what Yosef did. He asked the Saramashkin to get him out because he saw there might be a, a, a means to reach Pyro's ear, and it worked, he said. Eventually he did, he did get the... The Paro's ear, and that's a lesson you learn from Yosef. So the Midrash says that uh, Yosef is an example of Arur HaGevresh or some Basra Zroho. He should not have done it. The Rolbach says it's a lesson you learn that Yosef did. A person should act like Yosef did and always do whatever he can to, uh, to improve his lot. Okay, anyways, so this is what Rashi brings from the Midrash that Rashi brings from the Midrash that, that uh, Uzzah was punished. The lesson he should have learned from the from the the lesson you should have learned with, from this was that the was that the Aaron takes care of itself. So the water returned and the water began to flow along its normal path. Pasuk test, the Pasuk says, The people crossed the Yardane, emerged from the Yardane on the tenth of the first month. The first month, of course, is Nisan. We know the, as the Pasuk says in Parshas Bo, that the, the Jewish calendar has a very, as we know, the Jewish calendar has a, a, a kind of a very interesting hybrid system between solar and lunar calendar. That we, we, we have lunar months, like the word month really means. Month is from the word moon, and lunar months, like the Muslims do also. But while the Muslims, many of the Muslims uh, don't have any solar connection to the calendar, so their holidays can rotate through the year because the lunar, the lunar year falls out of sync with the solar year. We have a solar element to the calendar as well, like the Romans did, like, like other cultures did. The, 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 now that we have, the, the, our calendar stays in sync. Pesach is Chodesh Aviv, and Sukkot is Chag Asif, and so on. So we, we have a calendar that stays in sync with the solar year. It's, uh, it's, it's a somewhat uh, tricky thing to do because months don't naturally fit into solar years and there's no way to make it work exactly. So we have the elaborate system with leap months and, uh, and so on. 
to, to have a, a lunar calendar of months, and the Rosh Chodesh is always around the new moon, but we, we add the leaf months every two or three years to, to, to keep things, in the long run, to keep it in sync with the solar calendar. But as a consequence of all this, the numbering of the months begins from Nisan, because you see it's Mitzrayim, the year, for many calendrical purposes, the year begins with Rosh Hashanah, of course, uh, which is Tishrei. So the... So, but Chodesh Arishon is in Nisan, so the, the people came, we, we, we saw, we, we touched on the chronology of all this several times in the, in the first few Prakim. Mufarshim go into great detail exactly how many days Moshe died, Chazal says Zion Adar, 30 days of Avelis, Hashem appearing to Yeshua. So th- 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 this was basically a little over a month after Moshe had died. It was about a month, that they, they mourned for a month, and then that took them to about Zion Nisan. Yeshua said, three days, three days, we're going to cross the Yardin. They sent the spies, the spies went out, either, either uh, in parallel to the three days, or the, the, it all fit into those four days together, the parts of days, and so on. We discussed previously, uh, this was, uh, so, so 30 days, plus three days or so after Moshe had died, they, they finally, they crossed the Yardin, and they were about to begin the conquest of Eretz Canaan. This was the Osir Lachodesh, the tenth, the tenth day of the, of the first, Chodesh Arishan, the tenth day of the first month. Bayachanu by Gilgal and the Jewish people encamped in Gilgal, Mizrach Yericho, the edge of the, the edge of the, the eastern edge of Yericho, the border of the the border, the eastern border of Yericho. Previously, the, the the site of Gilgal, I believe, had not yet been identified. In the beginning of this parak, in the beginning of Parak Dalad, when Hashem gave the instructions about the stones, they were, they were going to carry stones out of the Yardane. We we're about to read about that. They were going to carry stones out of the Yardane and put them uh, in the place where they lodged. So the Pesukim said, in, 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 in Perek Dalad, Pasuk Gimel, it says, if you take stones out of the Yardin, you will place them in the lodging place, in the place where you will lodge tonight, which will be across the Yardin. After you cross the Yardin, a very, a very uh, exciting and significant day, you'll put them in the Molon. Where was the Molon? So now we finally have this Molon identified. The, finally, we have the Molon identified that they, they took the stones out. With the, we, we took the stones out that the... The in in, in Pasuk Hay in Vav it says Hashem it says Yeshua told the people carry the stones out it'll be a memorial for the crossing of the Yarden it'll be a zikaron of Nei Yisrael Olam it'll be a permanent memorial and in Pasuk Hay it says they put them by Imam El Malon they put them in the Malon by Anichum Sham they placed them in the Malon we have repeated references to the Malon the place where they lodged that after they crossed the Yarden we're not we haven't been told yet where it was so finally here in Pasuk Yates it says that uh, where do they camp that night. They left the Yardin, they crossed the Yardin, they camped in Gilgal. Gilgal was where the Mishkan was built, it was a central point to the Jewish people. The Mishkan in Gilgal was, was there for a while, and this is where they camped when they left the, the Yardin, the same Mizrach Yericho, near Yericho. So, again, the Pasachaf, it says again, it says, The twelve stones that they took out of the Jordan, Yeshua set them up. In the Yeshua set them up in Gilgal. Rashi says, This is the Malon that was referred to earlier in the parak. It wasn't identified by name. Now the Navi reveals it was Gilgal. This is where this is where they camped that night. The Mefarshim here tell us something interesting. The Mefarshim say that Gilgal was actually quite a distance away from the from the Yarden. I wouldn't know. I, I, I don't know the geography there. But the, the Radak, for example, brings the Radak says Amru Razal. Radak quotes the Midrash, Ki Yoser Mishishim Mil, who had Derek Shalchu Baosuayam and a Yardin Balagilgal. It was more than 60 mil, the, this route from the Yardin to Gilgal. 
Dali de Nes. It was a miracle. Halchua Derecha who? It wasn't just the men, the, the soldiers who, who made a forced march, 60 mil to Gilgal. It was Anashim, Benashim, Bataf. It was men, women, and children. Yosem, Ishishim, Mil. They went more than 60 mil in both Vayom in a single day. A mil is 2,000 amas. So an amas is between one and a half and two feet. So a so 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 a single mill is on the order of uh, is on the order of sixty to eighty percent of a mile. So so sixty mill is uh, sixty mill is, is is sixty mil is something between uh, if, if it's sixty percent of a mile. So it's uh, so, so so it's something like thirty six miles. If it's eighty uh, percent of eighty percent of a mile, it's something like forty eight miles. So it's not. Uh, Eureka is too close. How can, how can they even go that far? You're saying if uh, it's a good question. Again, I, 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 I confess my ignorance about the geography. I guess you'd have to pull out uh, one of the modern Nevi'im, the Das Mikra, or something, and see how they identify a uh, sublinator. If I remember, I'll try to look into that. Yeah, but this is a midrash. Together, a doc, or a doc, and other Mefarshim don't profess to uh, personal knowledge of these uh, personal knowledge of these distances. But this is what this is what they bring from Kazal that it was more than. That 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 that, that 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 it was actually more than sixty mil, and it was an ace. Again, we we mentioned before that the doc doesn't understand the ace of the Aronosius Nosio. That seems to be gratuitous, not hinted in the Psukim. This one, I guess, the posi- he doesn't comment on this. This one, his position is, I guess, well, it does say it was in Gilgal, and that if Chazal tell us the fact that Gilgal was sixty mil away, then the Navi is inherently uh, is telling you the nace. It's not making a big deal out of it, but it's telling you it was more than sixty mil away. The for for reference, by the way. Chazal actually, in, in the famous Gemara in Tzachim, Chazal actually do tell us what they think the, the average walking distance of a person per day is, and they say 40 mil. Chazal say a person can walk 40 mil in a day. Um, which, which is, you know, ballpark for a good walker. Is, uh, so it's a 40 mil again if it's, uh, it's 20, between 24 and uh, 32 miles a day. If you're, a, you know, most of us probably would get blistered pretty quickly if we tried walking that in a day, but it, it's, not, it's, it's, very, it's, it's certainly not within the out of the question for a, uh, I, the, the most I've ever walked, I'm, I'm not a regular big walker, the most I've ever walked in a day was about 12, 13 miles, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, it took three or four hours, but uh, afterward I probably had blisters and stuff, but um, if you're used to walking and you, and, and you do it all the time, it's not at all out of the question to go, uh, certainly to get kids to go that far, and it's, uh, I they could have had animals, I guess, but yeah, so the, 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 this, this, this was the distance from the Farsham say that they bring from Chazal, that, the, the, that this was the distance, it was, it was more than 60 mil, and it was a nace, the Radak says, flat out it was a nace that they traveled this distance. Again, it says they took the stones there, they carried the stones, and uh, it, it took the 12 stones and they put them in Gilgal, by Yom Rel B'nai Yisrael, and the Yeshua explained to the Jewish people, Lamar, at the point of these stones, as we saw previously, Asher Yishalon B'nechem Acharas Avasam Lamar, when your descendants, when your children ask you, Machar, Yesh Machar Shul Man, Machar sometimes means uh, not tomorrow, but tomorrow they wouldn't have to ask, they were all there. But much later, eventually, in the, in the distant future, they'll ask you, what, what are these stones doing here? We have some kind of memorial here. You will tell your descendants, this is a memorial, the fact that the Jewish people crossed the Yardin on dry land. Hashem, your God, He dried out the waters of the Yarden. Here, the Pasuk explicitly makes the parallel to the Yamsuf. 
that the that, that just like uh, that just like the just like the Hashem dried out the water of the Yarden of the, of the sea when we passed that, he, he dried out the waters of the Yarden. Laman das kolamehaaret, so that all the people of the, of the earth should know. As Yad Hashem, we mentioned earlier that that the Nase, besides being pragmatic to accomplish some purpose, was also supposed to uh, be a testament to the to, a testimony to the Yad Hashem. As Yad Hashem kifazakehi, it's mighty. Laman yirasim as Hashem alokechem kolayamim. In order and all this, in order that you should fear God all your days. The the language the language of the Psukim it says that Yeshua said that the Hashem. He crossed. He said that that he 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 dried the waters of the Yarden in front of you the way he the same way he dried the Yamsuf for us. So the Radak says this is Yeshua speaking to the Jews, those who had left Mitzrayim and those who were born in the desert. He dried out Mipanenu. He dried out the, the, the he, he dried out the the that they, 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 that, that he dried that he dried out the. The, the Amstel for us, for though we left Mitzrayim, it was still the, it, it was not that it was, it was forty years later, but it was it was not that far into the future. There were still still some people here who had crossed the Argentine. We know that the, the adult men died in the desert, but there were the, there were younger people, there were people who went who would not die. So the, he, he did it to us. Yeshua was saying, we we we, we experienced Kriyas Amstel. Now we experienced the splitting of the Argentine, and then the stones here were were a memorial that Hashem did these great nisim for us on these occasions, and. Then the Radak says that, that, that the, 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 the Pasuk says, Asher Hobish Mipanenu, Adav Renu. So the, so the, the, the Radak says here, actually, that, sorry, that, that, that's going on the Pasuk in Parakeh, we'll get to that later. But, uh, okay, so they, they, this is what they did. They, they, set, they set the stones up as a memorial for the. Rad Radak says, "Benechem for your children. Benechem means Hanoladim, Akitanim, Asher Yivaldu, the the new children, the children who hadn't seen the, these things firsthand. So the Navi would, uh, the Navi would. Uh, so so, so this, memorial, this, this, this memorial would be a, a memorial for that." Malbim says that again. He's referring to the seeming repetition of these tukim. Simple shot is that the, the Pasuk repeats these things. First, it tells you in the basic, the basic outline. Then it tells you more detail as we go. The Malbim likes to fill in uh, additional details, additional chedushim every time the Navi repeats it. So he says, back in Pasuches, when it says they placed them in the Malon, and here it says that Yeshua sets them up in Gilgal, it means the people just you know, dumped them down, they deposited them, and Yeshua then organized them uh, properly into some kind of uh, monument, and that was the that was the that was what that was what Yeshua had did him. The Mention one thing here that nothing to do with this. This actually goes back on a couple of prokim earlier, but I've been I've been wanting to mention this this marvelous idea for a few uh, weeks already. So I mentioned before that a few months already. So I mentioned before that the Ralbag the Ralbag has a style that he he has a running commentary of the psukim, and then at the end of every section he has a long list of lessons. I don't always know how he breaks up the sections and when he decides to make a new section and a new list, but especially on Navi, he often goes for a very long time, several prokim before he makes his list of lessons. So here, at the end of the fourth parak is the Ralbag's first big list of toelias. So when I was reading this, uh, I saw something uh, incredible that he says about going all the way back to Perik Bey's, the story of the spies and Rachav. So, again, as I said, they're, they're, they're all bag often, his lessons are not often strictly religious. Sometimes they're just uh, kind of practical uh, advice for life. 
So the Rabbi has a lesson. He's fond of he's fond of, of saying lessons like this, which seem almost platitudinous sometimes. But he often says very interesting things about them. He has a lesson that a person should always uh, basically don't let the don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. A person should always strive for the best outcome in a given situation, even if he can't even if he can't achieve his his ideal outcome. A person should still try to get the the person should still try to secure the best. Uh, the, the best the best outcome that, that he can so the so the the Rabbag says Hasiri the tenth lesson he learns from the from the stories in the first four Prakram of Yeshua so a person should not fall short of whatever he can possibly save and accomplish in a desperate situation even though even though he can't get everything he wants he should still try to save whatever he can whether it's Rav or Matt, he should. You know, the, he shouldn't just consider it a failure and give up. He should say, "I'll, I'll save at least, uh, I'll save at least whatever I can." Okay, that's I think something we could all uh, we could all get on board with. But the the way that Al Bag derives this and the way he understands the psukim is is, is incredible. We, we're we're used to thinking, I think, that Rachav Rachav was a great tzaddikah. She married Yeshua. Rachav, she, 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 in a, you know, from a certain perspective, she was a traitor. She sold out Yericho. She, she provided uh, aid and comfort to the enemy. She, 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 she saved the spies from uh, you know, what she did was classic treason. But you know, we're sympathetic because it was on our behalf. Same thing in the Cold War. The, the, the Russian spies who help us, we see as great heroes. The Russians consider them obviously as traitors, and our spies we consider as, as traitors. Obviously, the Russians consider them as heroes of the people, but. Uh, in this case, you know, we're, we're, we, besides the fact that it's us, it's us versus them, we also think that you know, the Jews were righteous and tzaddikim and, and uh, Yericho was uh, the Canaanim who were full of toeva and so on. And we, we probably assume, we, most of us I think would assume, that Rachav was a tzaddikah and she was on the side of the good, so that she was, you know, she, was, she was on the right side, she was on our side. The Ralbag seems to understand that Rachav was, at the end of the day, Rachav was really a... Uh, a, a, a true Yericho patriot. She was really loyal to Yericho. But she made the following cold-blooded calculation. She says, Yericho is doomed. She recognized that the Yad Hashem, the, that they couldn't stand in the face of Hashem. She saw, like she explained, that we, 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 we're, we're demoralized. We see that Hashem is so powerful. No one can stand up to Hashem. So the city is doomed. So she made the following calculation, the following kind of game-theoretic calculation. She said, I have a choice. I can... I can sell out the spies to Yericho, I can sell out Yericho to the spies. She said, well, let's consider my options, she said. If I sell out the spies to the Melech Yericho, I betray them to Yericho, so they'll die, you know, he'll, he'll capture them, and they'll, they'll, they'll be caught, but the city will fall anyway, because spies are no spies, the God is with the Jewish people, the, the, the city is doomed either way. If I, if I save the spies, then as a quid pro quo, they're going to owe me, and I can at, and I can at least save my, uh, I can at least save my family. So she said, given that I can't save the city anyway, so betraying the spies to Yericho accomplishes nothing, nothing in the long term. So on the other hand, if I, if I side with the spies, I can at least save my family. So that was her decision. She said that the best I can do, the Rabag very strongly implies, had she been able to save the city by, by selling out the spies, she would have. He just says that was not an option. She realized that it wasn't going to matter, that the city was doomed either way, so I might as well save whatever I can, which is save my family. Doesn't say this 100% explicitly, but he says that he says that she saw that God was unstoppable, that God was indomitable, and she says if she would ask the spies in exchange for for saving them to save the whole city, that was not on the table. That that was too big an ask. There was no way she was going to get that. 
Because she said, uh, you know, she said, what's the point of selling out the spies? I can't save the city anyway, he says. So the, she says that the, that the, she, she says, she saw E.F. Shalat tell us Amma, she couldn't save her people, Bashum Tzad, because he says, if, if, she, if she arrests the spies or if she asks them to save it, if she arrests the spies, he says, she wouldn't accomplish saving the city anyway because the city was going to fall regardless. He strongly implies that had she thought she was able to save the city by selling out the spies, she might have done so. But she couldn't. The city was doomed either way. So she said, the best, I, the most I can accomplish is to, is to save the spies and save my family. And that's what she did.